It's good to be together. Um, even virtually, it's good to be together. And um, if you're on the other side of that camera, chances are that I've prayed for you uh, this week and I'm picturing you as I'm talking. Um, so please um, hear this message this morning uh, from your church leadership, hopefully from the heart of God to our situations, wherever we are uh, in our lounge rooms or listening to this at some other time. We're with you, uh, we love you, and we're keen to do this journey together of following Jesus through this uh, broken world and through this uh, time period that we're in now. We're in the second of our series on the new people of God from Galatians 6, 14 to 16. Uh, we set up some of the background for that last week. Paul, <clears throat> this is probably one of the first letters actually written for the New Testament. Now, Paul has been encountered the risen Lord Jesus Christ. His life has been radically transformed. Um, he's, he's gone and evangelized, uh, first the Jews, but then on to the Gentiles in Asia Minor, uh, modern-day Turkey, in the provinces of Galatia. And he said, quite a few people come to Christ, become new believers in Jesus Christ, and then he's gone, gone on to do other things. But then he's heard about how these other religious people have gone, oh, here's all these new believers, and they don't know the things they need to know. And these other people have gone up to uh, Galatia and they've started teaching people in very compelling ways. You, you can't actually be a, a Christian. You can't be a disciple. You can't be a follower of Jesus unless you follow the Jewish customs and laws, um, namely that you have to get circumcised. And Paul, when he writes this letter, it is, um, of all the New Testament letters, it is, well, apart from maybe Corinthians, it is, it, it is so strong. It is, it is very strong in tone. It's very corrective in tone. Uh, he he kind of opens up with this kind of language. I am shocked that you are so quickly turning away from God um, who called you to himself through the loving mercy of Christ. And then he, Paul goes on through Galatians to defend the gospel. And in this talk, I'm going to try and help us all grasp why Paul would be so strident in his defense of the gospel. To Christians, by the way. Sometimes we talk about the gospel like it's mostly for non-Christians. But Paul's writing exclusively, actually, to believers. In this, uh, and he's defending the gospel. In the, in the Brethren tradition, I don't know how you grew up, but in our church our tradition, we used to have a morning meeting, which was kind of for the Christians, and then we had a gospel meeting in the evening where somebody preached the gospel. Um, often it was just Christians there, but we still did it, you know, like just to preach. And it was called a gospel meeting because it articulated, this is how you get saved. Um, the propositional truths around how somebody accepts Jesus. And in my head as a kid, that's what the gospel was. It was the, uh, the message of salvation that people could respond to, to begin their relationship uh, with Jesus Christ and get saved. But through <coughs> Galatians, we learn and through life we learn, and through maturity we learn, and through our walk with Jesus ongoing, we learn that the gospel um, is, is not just what for then. It's not just for back then when that happened. It's not just for how we first encountered Jesus, and it's not just the way that somebody can first encounter Jesus. The gospel is truer every day for believers in Jesus Christ. Uh, 
It's, it's so much more than something that happened. It is today, and it is vital and necessary in every day. And in defending the gospel so stridently, Paul gives us a beautiful picture of what it is, that we are more helpless and wicked than we would ever dare believe. And that in Jesus, we are more loved and accepted than we'd ever dare hope. That we're invited to humble ourselves and let go of everything. Everything to our credit that we would hold dear. Everything to our shame that we'd be ashamed of. All the things that we'd done wrong that we'd feel guilty about. We're invited to humble ourselves and let go of everything that's us in open, humble surrender. Uh, Tim Keller, who's a fantastic uh, author, he says this about Galatians and about the gospel. Um, He says, the gospel calls us to go lower than we'd ever want to go, to be raised higher than we could ever dream. The gospel says Jesus gave his life instead of us paid our debts and offers us inclusion in his resurrected life forever. And there's nothing I can do except surrender everything to this grace and forgiveness poured into me from the Holy Spirit of God. It isn't just how I came to faith. It's the call for my 24-7 life. And these new believers in Galatia are being pulled back into religion, trying to earn favor with God. And Paul says, what are you doing? Stop it. Why would you lose the gospel? And all through the letter he says that, then in the end he picks up the pen and he writes these verses in his own hand. And um, I want you to say this with me because I'd love you all to memorize this. I'd love us all to memorize this. I did this last week too and Dominique said, if you want me to read with you, slow down. So let's do this together out loud and um, slow enough that we can all join in. As for me, may I never boast about anything except the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ. Because of that cross, my interest in this world has been crucified and the world's interest in me has also died. It doesn't matter whether we have been circumcised or not. What counts is whether we have been transformed into a new creation. May God's peace and mercy be upon all who live by this principle They are the new people of God. Last week, we talked about, may I never boast about anything except the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ. We said we have one boast, and that's Jesus Christ on a cross for us. And that we have one obligation, namely to love each other. And that surpasses all my rights. That one obligation Um, goes beyond, surpasses all my rights. This week, we're focusing on the next bit, which is this. Because of that cross, my interest in this world has been crucified and the world's interest in me has also died. What does that mean? Um, Does it mean this, that I reject the trappings and pressures of this world and seek life outside the rat race? Uh, I don't know if you've ever seen, you probably haven't because I'm the only one that I've ever met who has, Watch the series Life Below Zero. It's a documentary about people who live subsistence, choose to live in the Alaskan wilderness in a subsistence kind of way. Hunting, trapping. Paul's seen it. Awesome. Um, My family laugh at me. Uh, I'm very interested in this uh, uh, documentary. It's people who say, I live that way in that rat race and I don't want to anymore and I just love that I can chop my own wood and, and hunt my own food and 
and provide for myself and, you know, honour the land and it's all that kind of like, and, and get away from what was. So, if the, is that what Paul's talking about here? Um, the world is dead to me, I'm dead to the world, I'm separate from it, I want to remove myself uh, from it. No, it's not what Paul means. Because actually, this is Keller again, if I have to have, if I must have nothing to do with something, then I, I'm giving that thing power over me. If my life is referenced by that thing, then that thing is still got a claim on my life. Um, so I, if I'm just trying to escape something, I'm defined by not being that. And that's what's happening in these people, by the way, as I watch this show and try and psychoanalyze in my arrogance their motivations for uh, living the way that they do. But Paul isn't advocating separation from the world. He's just saying that what the world wants is dead to me. The desires of the world, I'm I'm dead to the desires of this world. The, The things that the world wants have no claim on me. There's nothing in this world that I must have. There's nothing that I need from this world. The believer is free, as Paul says in Galatians 5, truly free, free to interact within this world and enjoy it without needing anything in it or worshipping anything in it or trusting anything in it. This is the gospel. Because of Christ who loved me, who sacrificed himself for me, who rescued me, who offers me his life freely, then I am dead to the desires of this world and alive to what Jesus wants in me, through me. And this freedom, it applies to our approval and our acceptance. It applies to our security. It applies to our status. Remember, I don't know if you've seen this Max Licato story. Um, it's called You Are Special. It's the Wemix, these little wooden people, and they put stars and dots on each other. You, I've used it before in sermons. Uh, you might have heard it. Uh, the premise is that as you go around life, uh, people, if they like you, they give you a star. If they think you're a little bit less than you should be or they want to distance themselves from you, they, they put a dot on you and you kind of can't get these things off and they're indelible and they t- uh, stay with you and you start to believe the story about what other people say. But then this little guy, Punchinello, he meets his maker, the carpenter, and when he starts to believe what his maker says about him, then his dot fo- dots start falling off. Um, it would equally apply to stars, <laughs> that they would also fall off. Because the gospel frees us from the accolades of others, from the need for acceptance from others, from the need for approval from others. Because we have one audience, Jesus Christ, and he loves us unconditionally, and we are already accepted. It applies to our security, uh, that we trust God for our future, that we, we have money, but we don't trust it. It doesn't have any hold on us. Um, we, we're in relationships, but we don't cling to them fiercely or demand things from other people for our own sake. We can love selflessly. We can live generously. And it applies to our status. There's no allure of platform or accolade or influence that can compare with the heights of freedom in Christ. We're not to be distracted with worldly status because we believe the gospel. This statement, I've died to this world, 
this world is dead to me, is so freeing for believers in Jesus. That we're free. To love like Jesus loves. To be who we're called to be. Because of the cross, Paul says, my interest in this world has been crucified. And the world's interest in me has also died. Because how can the world understand someone who believes the gospel? We don't want the same things. We've got a whole new set of goalposts. In fact, when I first read this line, um, because of that cross, my interest in this world has been crucified and the world's interest in me has also died. This line sort of came to me in that. That's right, we're actually, we're, sh- we're, we're shooting for different goalposts. Like it's a whole different direction um, for life. Now I'm going to, I'll paint this picture of the way, because I think in pictures, so I'll paint this picture. It might help you if you're a pictures person, um, or you might just wait till I get back to straight propositional truths. Um, uh, so here's, the, here's, what I, here's what I imagine, right? Here's the whole human race. And they think, we think, that winning is that way. We think that there is the goal, that I would be, that I would be financially secure, that I would have status, that I would have approval, that I would be able to look in the mirror and respect myself because of what I see in myself that is good and righteous and helpful. All of the things that drive humanity um, in the natural. They're all going, there's the goalpost. Everyone's going that way. Some people are running like, oh, because they're really kind of on a, on a steamroller to get the thing that they want in there and they're making great leaps towards what they think is that end. Some people are limping because they're injured and hurt, but they're still looking that way. Some people are depressed and sad and angry and they're just plonked on the ground and they're lamenting that they can't go that way. The whole human race is going that way. And they're trying to find something and grab something and achieve something and grasp something and cling to something and, and, and hope for something that's that way. But someone who believes the gospel They've already got everything. We've already received everything. Our goalposts are that way. And our goalposts are Jesus Christ and Him crucified and His love and life poured into us. And so we move through the world, if we believe the gospel, we move through the world among people who are all pushing that way. And we're going... Sometimes we run alongside them, like, well, this is interesting. Why are we jogging over here? But only so we can point them upwards and say, there's better goalposts. You could slow down and look up. Or we sit down beside someone who's still hungering for that way, who's depressed and upset and, and whatever, and we just want to go, hey, from even this place, you can look up because it's already done. And we meander through life joyous and fulfilled and complete in ourselves and able to selflessly love everybody because we know it's already done. Because we believe the gospel. That's nothing we earn. It's it's forgiveness and grace. And mercy from Jesus Christ to everyone who believes. 
And the world who's all going that way encounters someone who believes the gospel and they go, what was that? Paul says, and the world's interest in me has also died. I don't know how well I've explained that. Like I said, pictures speak to some more than others. Just trying to show you what Paul believed about the gospel. Now, when I talk about this, it's, it's an element of aspirational. Don't you wish you were that person who really believed the gospel? All of the time, 24-7. I know we're not there yet. I know that for the believer who most of the time believes the gospel, life is like that. It's free. And most of us are getting there day by day as we walk with Jesus, trusting him through more of our days, but we're not there yet. But you can see, can't you, why Paul was alarmed that believers in Galatia were abandoning the gospel. They were believers, but they'd been deceived by these other teachers who seemed so knowledgeable, these teachers that had said, there's a better truth, a more complete way. Join our tribe, show willing, make the sacrifices, align with us, we'll give you righteousness and belonging and identity. And Paul says, no, what are you doing? Have you forgotten the gospel? He says in Galatians 1, you're following a different way that pretends to be the good news, but it's not the good news at all. You're being fooled by those who deliberately twist the truth concerning Christ. Listen to this. Let God's curse fall on anyone, including us, or even an angel from heaven who preaches a different kind of good news than the one we preach to you. I say again what we've said before. If anyone preaches any other good news than the one you welcomed, let that person be cursed. Uh, I don't know if you heard this. You need to understand what Paul's saying here. Say I'm preaching here, right? And then all of a sudden, through the ceiling, without disrupting the ceiling plaster at all, descends a huge, broad, tall, like amazing um, warrior figure, shining from within, radiant in glory, with a deep, resonant, compelling uh, voice, and just I just have to get off the stage. And that person stands here and goes, this is a message from God or whatever, and we're all like, whoa, this is amazing. But then he says something other than this gospel, then we ought to say, no way, buster, that's not the gospel. What? Paul is not fond of anyone who claims to represent Jesus and present something other than the gospel because they lead people astray and deceive and distract people from finding life and freedom in Jesus Christ. If, if we're a leader or we're influential in a faction or a political party or a school or a lobby group or a neighborhood or a church group or a social media thought tribe, we have to stop using the name of Jesus like he's on our side. Like people who join our tribe are better Christians. We don't monopolize Jesus. He loves people everywhere. He died for us all. He offers life and freedom to everyone who trusts him. And our tribes are in the way. If something represents anything other than the gospel of Jesus Christ, just be very careful that you're not attaching Jesus to it. 
We say, we're a Christian whatever. But if you're not the gospel, then you're not. And if you advance that, you just preach a warped and diminished gospel and you'll harm, you will harm the only cause that matters in the end. There's a warning for my heart and it's a warning for your heart and it's a warning for all of us about what we attach ourselves to that claims to represent Jesus. Because... As for me, may I never boast about anything except the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ. Because of that cross, my interest in this world has been crucified and the world's interest in me has also died. In the past few weeks here, my heart has been heavy for believers everywhere. As Pete said, uh, within our own church family, but more so across other churches in this uh, town, city, and also across our movement and pastors of churches right across the CVAT movement Um, as we share our stories in these weeks my heart's been heavy for believers everywhere this vaccination issue it's not a gospel issue and we can't let it cause division so we'll run meetings with the maximum people that we can according to law we'll give everyone opportunity to come together for worship as much as we're able to we don't know exactly what that's going to look like yet because we don't know what exactly we can do yet (laughs) We'll also continue live streaming, which helps to include everyone. But this is not a gospel issue. It's a science and a legal issue. That is, whatever our belief is about the science of this pandemic and vaccinations and whatever our belief is about our obligation to government directions in this time, will largely determine which time or place we can gather with others and this week again I've spoken with CCW family with very different thoughts regarding vaccinations and I can tell you that we are all Jesus following gospel believing brothers and sisters and while the next little while may be inconvenient it will not get in the way of the gospel unless we let it and as we said last week our heart and our desire and our mandate is not to pressure or judge anyone for their free choices on this issue, nor is it to lead on this issue. Our desire and our mandate is to point us all, CCW family, to point us all to the gospel and to the goalposts that the gospel sets for our lives. We want our church family to be free, dead to the desires of this world, alive in Jesus Christ to love others freely despite everything. Well, how? How do we do this? How can Paul just say, because of that cross, my interest in this world has been crucified and the world's interest in me has also died? I understand the proposition of that, but the reality of my life is I'm not dead to this interest of this world because I want the things that the world wants a lot of the time also. And I have a lot in common with people who don't follow Jesus because we kind of want the same things a lot of the time. So how can Paul just say this like it's a statement of fact? I look at that statement and I think, I wish. It looks like a destination, like when I get to 80 and I'm, you know. And I see people who are 80 who are a lot closer to this than I am and it gives me some hope. Um, How did Paul get there? How can we get there? Paul tells us in Galatians 2, he says, My old self has been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. 
So I live in this earthly body by trusting in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. So I live, present tense, ongoing. So I live in this earthly body by trusting in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. I do not treat the grace of God as meaningless. So it's not I have trusted in the Son of God previously. I prayed the prayer. I believe he saved me. My belief about what happened back then is just part of it. Paul says, I live by trusting in Jesus. This is my life. This, these are my goalposts. This is my desire. I live by trusting Jesus, which is a relief. Because in the natural world, the desires of this natural world would get the better of me. In the last few weeks, I've been frustrated and upset and angry and I want to defend my views and draw lines in the sand and rally people who agree with me, but I know that is not what Jesus wants. The world is dead to me. I'm dead to the world. It's no longer me living. It's Christ living in me. I live by trusting Jesus. And here's the prayer that I'm praying these days. I want you to pray it too, uh, if you want to, today and through this week. Uh, Jesus, I want to die to this world and live for you. May the way I treat everyone today show that I trust you in everything. Just get your head around that for a minute because at the end we'll pray this together. Jesus, I want to die to this world and live for you. May the way I treat everyone today show that I trust you in everything. Do we believe the gospel? Are we experiencing the joy and freedom of the gospel? In one of the worship songs we sing here about the beautiful forgiveness from God is this refrain. I don't want to abuse your grace. God, I need it every day. It's, it's the only thing that ever really makes me want to change. Or as Paul says here, I do not treat the grace of God as meaningless. So let's do this. Let's love people no matter what. Let's celebrate every gathering everyone can legally be at. Let's work at surrendering everything that isn't motivated by the Spirit of God, expressing Jesus' desires for others through us. And in this radical love, as Dominic prayed before, I pray too that we experience God to agree to a degree we've never experienced before and that people are drawn to Jesus now because of our belief in the gospel. As the team returns to the stage now, uh, I want you to pray this prayer with me as we finish. Um, and, you know, take a screenshot now or write this down um, or um, type it or wherever you are. Find a way, if you want to, to record this prayer and pray it in this season where we're talking about COVID all the time, we're talking about vaccinations all the time and uh, people are challenging our opinions or affirming us and we're tempted to rally in tribes and do the us and thems of these seasons. Um, get a hold of this prayer. I'll say it again and then we'll pray it together. Jesus, I want to die to this world and live for you. May the way I treat everyone today show that I trust you in everything. Let's pray that now. Jesus, 
I want to die to this world and live for you. May the way I treat everyone today show that I trust you in everything.